Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuesday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon. As you well know, the ceasefire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. That is the number if you want to be a part of the conversation. I'm not entirely sure why... Atlanta and the Miami Marlins are playing a baseball game. Because the Marlins are winning the World Series. Maybe I need to stop beating that drum. At some point, it's probably time to let go of that. Marlins leading 4-3 to three over the Atlanta Braves. Bottom of the sixth, one out in the, uh, the ballgame. So that's uh, happening right now. If you want to follow along, we will keep you up to date. Also... About half an hour from Game 2 between Houston and Oakland. Tonight on TBS at 7.10, you have the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays. Yankees bombed their way to a win last night, and San Diego and the Dodgers will play their first games tonight. First pitch at 8.38 Central Time. 601-879-4395 if you want to join us on the C Spire text line. Um... Hey, Dad, I saw you tweeting about it a little while ago. Bad news in the music world. Yeah, it's a really big loss. To Eddie Van Halen has uh, has passed away after a battle with cancer. His son, uh, Wolfgang, uh, tweeted that out uh, about maybe 30 minutes ago or so. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's a big loss for sure. You a big Van Halen guy? I am. I am a big Van Halen guy. So it's kind of hard not one. to like Van Halen, right? Yeah, what's not to like? I mean, they're, they were awesome. Like I said, in my tweet, uh, in my opinion the greatest rock band in American history. Find who, the find who could be number one. Aerosmith, the Beach Boys, um, the Eagles. The Beach, Bo- oh, the Beach Boys classify as rock? I mean, I think so, yeah. I guess some could argue the Eagles, but uh, the Eagles. if you're talking American rock band, it's Van Halen. Yeah, for me it is, yeah. Am I crazy for thinking the Eagles are more rock and roll rock than the Beach Boys? Oh, no. Not at all. No. No, you're not. But okay. the Beach Boys are a rock band. I mean, to me, they are. Any band that features Joe Walsh playing guitar is more rock than anything the Beach Boys put out. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I, and I wasn't, like, trying to demate. It's like we always have to put music in, in boxes, right? Yeah. Okay, it's this a guy fun is debate. country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I... How would you, if you weren't classifying the Beach Boys as rock, how would you classify them? Just pop. Like easy listening? Yeah, but they're definitely Beach not pop. Bad. Yeah. I mean, it's, they're, they're older stuff when they get into like pet sounds and things like that. That's not, 
<laughs> that's not pop music, so. <laughs> yeah, but Surfing USA doesn't exactly. No, but I mean, for that time in history, that's that was what rock music was. Nobody was, yeah. you know, headbanging in the early 60s like that, so. Yeah. CCR is another good submission, but if you're talking, I mean, it depends on what your definition of rock is, because I wouldn't call CCR like rock, you know, the same way that Van Halen is. It's a different, it's like a different subgenre within the genre. And I love CCR, but I, I wouldn't put them in that category even. They, they, they're a rock band to they me. Are, I mean, to, but anything with a guitar and a bass player and a drummer is, is you know, and it's not country music. Is probably going to be rock music to me. Country doesn't know what Van it is Halen anymore. Song. My favorite Van Halen song? That's a tough question. I'll give you a top three. Okay. Uh, Panama. Me Wise Magic. And... Jamie's Crying. Okay. You didn't go straight to jump. No, and I love jump, but I mean, not, not my top, not, not my, uh, not my top three. Fair enough. Do you have a favorite Van Halen song, Borky? Um, I'm basic, so jump is definitely my favorite. I'm kind of right there. We're running with the devils, pretty, pretty strong, also. Jump was just a stadium anthem of my childhood. You know, like we had a minor league hockey team growing up, and my dad and I used to love going to minor league hockey games. And they played jump every single game. And so, you know, I'm 10 years old and guys are knocking each other out and you've got jump playing in the arena. It just, it brings me back to that time in my life. So I got ingrained in it when I was young. I got a friend that texted me a message. He said, Beach Boys are rock and roll. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm willing to accept that, but I'm just thinking about, gotta keep those good vibrations <laughs> happening. Because nothing says rock and roll like that, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, but you, know, you listen to like Bill Haley in the comments. That's not what we would call rock and roll these days. But and they were the you know that they're a rock and roll band for their time. I mean, that's right up there with you know Freddie Mercury. <laughs> I, know, I know we're talking American rock, but nonetheless. Uh, all right. So biggest story out there today is one that is kind of developing and could certainly have an impact. Is it possible? That after two solid weekends of seven games in seven cities, no COVID hiccups, that we have a disruption in week three of Southeastern Conference football, not because of COVID, but because of a hurricane. Very fitting for how this year has gone. Yeah, that, that, that is pretty 2020, isn't it? So far, the SEC's done a great job with COVID. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, no game has been postponed or anything just yet. Teams have had small outbreaks, <laughs> and they have played, and everything's all good. And then this stupid hurricane is going to run through Louisiana and Mississippi on a Saturday and potentially be the reason we don't have SEC football, at least for a couple of games. That is so very much this year. It took a, a true act of God to cancel a SEC football game. The, the three games that really are in question, and if you look at the tracking models, I guess I could finish one thought before I start another. The three games that are in question, 
LSU hosting Missouri on Saturday night, Ole Miss hosting Alabama on Saturday evening, and Auburn hosting Arkansas on Saturday afternoon. Landfall is not an exact science. We certainly know that. But the target area is like Lafayette to Mobile, which means the landmass in between. Most projections have it making landfall somewhere along the eastern Louisiana border or maybe right along the Mississippi Gulf Coast and then kind of curving back to the east. And if that happened, and and not the way, oh, which which storm was it a few, which hurricane was it that made landfall a month ago, Borky? Oh, gosh. Um, I honestly don't remember. Laura? Who? Laura? I don't, man, whatever. The hurricane that made landfall, you remember when it made landfall, it made like a hard right turn. It was Laura. Well done. This is more of like a gentle right curve that kind of makes its way east, and then it's got really a big affected area as it moves to the northeast. Um, models are all over the place, and, and one thing I think that is probably worth pointing out, it could very well be that by the time LSU kicks off on Saturday night, Ole Miss kicks off on Saturday evening, and maybe even by the time Auburn kicks off on Saturday afternoon, the majority of the the rain and the wind has already gone past us. But I think the concern is the collateral damage behind the storm. Power outages, flooding, and the immediate resources needed to clean up from that, not to mention law enforcement, and emergency crews kind of being taxed. Is that kind of how you understand it, Borky, right now? I mean, that it, it's probably not because of the amount of rain and the wind that could be an issue in North Mississippi on Saturday afternoon, evening, starting at 5 o'clock, as much as you may have resources that have got to be deployed elsewhere. Yeah, and quick correction, uh, Laura is the one that devastated Lake Charles. Sally is the one that hit our coast and and took that turn uh but yeah it see by the time it would get up to oxford you would imagine as they tend to do it would weaken to just a whole bunch of rain but it takes so much to put these games on on top of the fact that alabama does have to travel from tuscaloosa to oxford and back and all of the things that come with that could jeopardize this game and it's not like you could go play at the other place, LSU and Missouri are looking at sending the Tigers up to Columbia. They can do that because it's not going to affect there. There's really yeah. not a whole lot of a difference between Oxford and Tuscaloosa when it comes to this thing in particular, so they might have a mess on their hands here. Yeah, could uh, could very well be the case. We'll talk more about this and get into a whole lot more with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, just getting started on this Tuesday afternoon. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. A lot of feedback to Greatest American Rock Band and also Greatest Van Halen Song. Gibbon Greenwood says, give me Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. A vote for Grateful Dead. Knew there was going to be one. We've got... uh, No, I don't hate... You hate hate that idea? No. 
the the jam band side of these things, it's always funny to me. Not because they don't make good music, because there's a lot of their songs I like, but there is a following of Grateful Dead, of String Cheese Incident, Fish, Widespread Panic, that are more dedicated to those bands than I have ever been dedicated to anything in my life. They just love them. I've got a buddy who thinks Fish is a more influential rock band than Led Zeppelin, and he actually truly believes that, and he's not alone. There is a cult-like following to these these few jam bands, and they always crack me up. Pat in Oxford says, Love Van Halen, but Kiss is the greatest of all time. Yeah. I like Kiss, don't get me wrong, but... Nah. Not for me. I would agree with this. Somebody says, uh, I would say CCR is a southern folk rock band. Yeah. So, kind of a subset. Um, best Van Halen songs, Cradle Will Rock, Detroit. Ed in Brookhaven, that, that was his submission, and he also suggested Charlie, Charlie Daniels Band, although I just wouldn't put Charlie Daniels Band in the that's, rock that's category. A country band to me, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you really wanted to press, press it, maybe you go Southern Rock, but I would absolutely have that in a country theme instead. Somebody suggested Rush, and one of you guys said they're Canadian. Yeah, they're Canadian. Uh, somebody says, though. I'm in the minority, but the correct answer is the band. Another song vote is for Eruption. That's from Jay on the Res. Eddie Van Halen was 65 years old. Uh, David Lee Roth, greater than Van Halen. Wait, what? A couple for uh, best song. Uh, so what? The lead singer of Van Halen's greater than Van Halen? I'm just reading what the text said. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, you, you could say he was the best version of them. And I, yes, I, I, I can hear you. That. But not... He can't be greater than himself. Here, is, uh, there was a vote for uh, Keith and J.S. goes hot for teacher. That drum solo to get it going just rocks. That's great. Best song, Unchained. Another good one. Jacob Equipment says, best song, Little Guitars. Check it out if you're not familiar with it. I think I just played that, right? I think that's what, what bumped us in, yeah. yeah. Uh, a bunch of people pointed out that it was Sally that was the uh, hurricane that took that hard right turn after coming ashore around Gulf Shores. Uh, let's see here. It'll bring us in at 5. Oh, Ice Cream Man was a a song choice yes. that you've got loaded for later. Hot for Teacher, another one there. Somebody says Leonard Skinner, greatest American you band. Argue. You make that argument. Journey? You can make an argument. Love Journey, but I don't, I don't know if it's... I don't put them in the same tier as Van... I don't put them in the same tier as Van Halen. Their story for how they found their new singer is still incredible to me. Well, they just did a reality show? If I remember it correctly, the guy that's currently the lead singer of Journey is from the Philippines and was doing Journey cover, was in a Journey cover band in the Philippines, could not speak a lick of English, but could sing just like Steve Perry, beautifully. And they found him on the internet and reached out, and he didn't believe it, thought it was a hoax. It was like, nah, nah, nah I, I don't believe you, sorry. And like, wouldn't take their calls for a while until somehow they finally got in touch with him to say, hey, no, we're Journey, and we want you to come be our front man. And he's been with them ever since, and he is amazing. Mm. 
Somebody says, uh, who has a roller coaster at Disney World? Aerosmith. That would be the rockin' roller coaster. Aerosmith. And uh, he says, okay, case closed. <laughs> Another vote for Skinner. Here's one that says Van Halen was better with Sammy Hagar. Well, Guns and Roses. Better with Gary, Gary Sharon. I'm not going to argue too much on Hagar versus Van Roth. Or Lee Roth. Guns and Roses should be in this conversation, correct? Eh, you can put them in the conversation. Metallica, too. Let's AC/DC. see here. That does not fit the, uh, the, the, the list here. Yeah, we're talking Jake American and, here. Yeah, Jake and Laurel go in the, uh, the opposite direction. He says, if you have to be under the influence of drugs while watching a flashing, colorful light show to make the music enjoyable, it's not good. Hashtag jam band suck. See, I, I agree with you there. Some of their songs I like, I play them occasionally here, but I, that's always been my mentality, too. Like, if it's, man, i got to go to a show, but give me this drug first. Nah, I'm, I'm good. Music tastes very widely. Um, Metallica. Yeah. Ed and Brandon goes with ZZ Top. Eddie Van Halen played the guitar solo on Michael Jackson's Beat It for free. Really? That's from Tom. I knew he did the solo. I didn't know it was for free. Uh, Jimi Hendrix is the greatest. Yeah, it's a shame he couldn't put out more music. Not a band, though. I mean, I can say Jimi Hendrix in the experience, but yeah, it's just one guy. Um, The Allman Brothers? You can put them on the list. Warner... Beastie Boys, Nickelback, Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> All right, now we're going off the rails. <laughs> Nickelback is Canadian. Are they really? Yeah. They got a new album coming out. And despite the world hating them, it'll sell 20 million copies. Yeah. I heard a cover that they did of um, Devil Went Short Down to Georgia. Oh, okay. And they should be arrested. <laughs> Their cover of Sharp Dressed Man is really good. But... Yeah. Some sometimes it's just better left alone, right? Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. You hate we get a Rolling Stones submission here. Call in and and get us Rolling Stones. American. <laughs> hey, there are videos you can find on YouTube though of the Rolling Stones just walking into a juke joint in the Mississippi Delta and just oh, jamming yeah. out. It's in, it's so oh, cool sure. to watch. And then in the middle of all this, we get. Mike Leach should put Jalen Maiden in with Hill and Johnson in the backfield when teams want to play zone. <laughs> what? You think that's on his radar, hey, Dad? No. That's the last thing on that guy's radar. Jalen Maiden plays in a game this year, something really bad happened. The Doors? The... Not in the same tier for me, but that you can make the argument. Couple of votes for Boston. Boston's a good band. Don't they have a weird thing with how they tune their guitars to where like you can't yeah, find where it is? Only them and their roadies know how they do it. Yeah, something like that. That's why that, I mean Boston's a band that sounds unique. You don't it's not a lot of bands that sound like Boston. Uh Jason says whoever said nickelback needs to be quarantined and entered into con- concussion <laughs> protocol. <laughs> Oh my gosh! These people Here's a were... Def Leppard vote. 
They're British. <laughs> Motley Crue. R.E.M. R.E.M. is an intriguing choice. It actually is. Yeah. That's why all those recruits go to Georgia. That's, I think that's why we talked about it. We were talking <laughs> about Athens and you brought up R.E.M., yeah. Darren and Jackson uh, just sent us a message said, Eddie Van Halen died. That sucks. <laughs> you think? <laughs> That's a, yeah, Darren, that's kind of the reason for the conversation. We uh, uh, threw out the... Uh, we've had three votes for ACDC. Not a single member of that band is from America. Unless you want to count it when you know Axl Rose was their lead singer for a little while. Oh, here we go. What time does sports talk come on asking for a friend? You don't have friends. Just, you don't have any friends, sir. You just, you're just making that up. <laughs> People are just having fun now because we got the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a seriously though? Pearl Jam. I'll 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 hear that argument. I'm glad somebody brought this up because there is a, a Mississippi band called Bishop Gun. Um, I, I've heard one of their albums. I can listen to it to completion whenever. They are phenomenal. I saw them open up for Marcus King Band, which is also a band that not a lot of people have heard of. These dudes are extremely talented, and it's a shame that we pipe up, you know, Cardi B instead of guys like this because. 30 years ago, they would be nationally known. That's how talented in rock music they are. So I'm glad somebody brought them up. They're incredible from Natchez. Do they have a song called WAP? No, I don't think so. That's Probably not, that's not. not them. Getting a little more local, we get a Kudzu Kings vote and a Wilco vote. Nice. How about this? REO Speedwagon is the greatest group to ever record. I mean, I like R.S.B. Wagon, but no. <clears throat> heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend. Wait, Bishop Gunn who... broke up? What? Oh, that's a shame. They were so good. Jason says, this show is so much better when it goes goofball. Yeah, we're, I guess, a little in the goofball range right now. Sports Talk Mississippi, most of the time, with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Well, I told you just a few minutes ago that the Braves were trailing the Marlins 4-3, to bottom of the seventh, still going on. New score. Marcelo Zuna uh, had a single to left that scored Austin Riley. Travis DiArno hit a home run, 421 feet, that scored Freddie Freeman and Ozuna. And then Dansby Swanson hit a two-run shot to center field, 407 feet, scored Albies, Braves, six runs in the bottom of the seventh inning, and they now lead 9-4, to four, still batting with two out over the Miami Marlins. Game one of the National League Division Series. Richard Cross, Michael Borke, and Brian Haydad. Luke Johnson joins us right now. He is co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel. Luke, just what the doctor ordered on Saturday. Southern Miss so badly needed a win, and they got it. Went on the road to Denton, Texas, to take on the University of North Texas and came away with not only a win but a conference win, and that had to feel good for this football team. It really did. It was exactly what they needed. They Again, they came out fast. They gave up a field goal early, but then they uh, went ahead, scored 17 unanswered, and, and really were able to put a game away. In a lot of ways, this was the game 
that you felt like the Louisiana Tech game uh, should have ended up like Southern Miss uh, relinquished that lead. But Gold Eagles got the ball uh, early in the first quarter. They kicked a kind of a halfway onside kick, and North Texas fumbled it, and they recovered it. And then later in the game, they were able to uh, get uh, another fumble on, on the North Texas side of the field, and then uh, later in the game, did the same thing. So that that really allowed them. The defense forced those three turnovers, and they really dominated the fourth quarter. They had the ball 11 minutes in the fourth quarter, and so you, you feel like some of the uh, the mental toughness and the energy Scotty Walden has been uh, more than just jumping up and down, been trying to feed in this program. It really took off. We should mention, by the way, Scotty Walden with his first career win. Um, I know I tweeted this out, but, but passes Ellis Johnson for the most career wins ever at Southern Miss as a head coach, and I, I need to apologize I, to, to people. Uh, Richard, I need to really apologize. I need to apologize to Ellis Johnson because I actually misspelled his name on Twitter. Uh, it, you know, when you misspell things grammatically, it makes your your mother and your high school English teachers look bad. You officially spelled the name Ellis with twelve L's. Just wanted to get that out there. Wow. Luke, I gave Ooh. you credit for that, but that's putting a new little spin on your Ellis Johnson tweet yesterday. Speak the truth, my man. But yeah, it was a great win for Southern Miss on the road. You just can't. How much it really picked people up. And let's be honest, they only had, Scotty Walden told us this yesterday, there was only 54 scholarship players available. Of course, they had some injuries, so we talked about some of the offensive line. Uh, Scotty said yesterday, didn't name an amount, but COVID-19 affected some guys. And you really only had uh, three running backs. Frank Lord Jr. and Darius Mayberry uh, had great performances. Had some new guys stepping at the linebacker position. So when you think about the the struggles that Southern Miss has had, uh, there was a lot of guys that were on the depth chart, you know, two and three deep that, that started this game and played really good for the Golden Eagles. You know, I remember we talked on, oh, I guess it was Thursday afternoon, and I kind of wondered out loud, good grief, you just air it out. And we kind of thought that maybe that was going to be the case, and that wasn't the case. Only 30 pass attempts in the ballgame in comparison to 46 run attempts. Jack Abraham, 16 of 30 for 235, a couple of touchdowns and an interception. I I guess this was a high-scoring game in that the final was 41-31, but I think we all thought there was a chance that it could have been significantly more high-scoring than that, especially based on some recent results, and it just really kind of turned out not to be the case. And that was a credit to Southern Miss's defense. Um, one of the, the big turning points of the game, when you look at what happened seven seven days ago, a week ago at Tulane, um, they really gave up. They gave up 17 unanswered at the end of the first half, and that's where they checked out mentally and just collapsed in the second half. Southern Miss stopped North Texas uh, on the last play of the, of the first half and were running off the field. They tackled the guy in bounds. The referees then put 11 seconds back on the clock. And North Texas ran two plays. They threw a pass in the end zone. Golden Eagles uh, defended it and it fell incomplete. And then North Texas lined up for a field goal, and Southern Miss blocked the field goal. So it was a mm. complete turn of events, and that really gave them momentum going into halftime. And what Scotty Walden said uh, at halftime was he saw players, and they, they saw it during practice too, but really on Saturday saw players getting other players up, players holding other players accountable. And that was one of the things that I think the fan base and, and, and people like me, former players, wanted to see players start taking ownership, and uh, it, it did. Now, you know, 
Southern Miss did rush for 200 uh, over 200 yards. Frank Gore is the first uh, rusher for Southern Miss to get over 100 yards in a game since 2018. North Texas had a bad defense. I mean, at, at the hey, same and press time, pause just for a second before you go any farther on that. It, does this qualify as the coming out party for Frank Gore? I think so. I mean, you had seen some of his ability in the open field, you know, some of those genetics from his father in play and just the natural instinct. But, yeah, I mean, he looked really good when he was in the open field. And even more than that, though, I think people were really excited about seeing Darius Mayberry, a guy that's just kind of been snake bit with injuries. People forget in 2016 he was the other half of the backfield with Cam Akers for the Clinton Arrows when they won the state championship. Mayberry mm-hmm. scored 54 touchdowns in his high school career, and he looked really good. And, and Scotty Walden talked about just getting Darius to play with confidence because he's kind of been gun-shy taking hits. And he's a redshirt junior, but two touchdowns. And But, yeah, I, I think there's, if you watch the tape Saturday or you watch the game Saturday, Frank Gore is a special, special player. So Gore goes 23 carries for 130 and a touchdown. Mayberry 17 carries for 55 yards and two touchdowns. No Tim Jones in this game, which we thought was going to be a really big deal if he didn't play, but still trying to get him completely healthy, I guess. They are um, just still nursing a lower leg injury, but Brownlee, Jason Brownlee has emerged. And when you look nationally right now, there are four guys from Mississippi in the top uh, 24 in the country in receiving yards. More in Ole Miss is like eight, I think. Mitchell from Mississippi State is 24. But 11 and 12 is Jason Brownlee. And Tim Jones is still in the top 12 in the country after those first two games. But, but Brownlee now, uh, 11th nationally, I think right at 301 yards. And he has become the deep threat. I mean, he's a guy uh, that has, has emerged. And when they get Tim Jones back, you don't have to just lean on him exclusively. There was a reason why Brownlee led the, the nation last year in touchdowns in JUCO, and, and I think Southern Miss fans are seeing that. Demarcus Jones uh, had another good game. Jack wasn't at his best, uh, just about 52 uh, completion percentage for, for the game. But when, when you're running the ball like that, it's just going to open up uh, the, the passing game a little more. And they, they hit North Texas a few big times. So any word out of either Southern Miss or Conference USA about this Saturday scheduled to host FAU at 3 o'clock on Saturday? We're obviously tracking Hurricane Delta, and uh, there's some decisions that I guess as the week goes along are going to have to be made. Yeah, Jerry McLean put out a statement a little while ago. You know, it's kind of generic, just saying they were obviously watching, walking through different possible scenarios. It's a 3 p.m. kick, so... You know, if, if the hurricane came in late Thursday, early Friday, and uh, you didn't weren't dealing with power outages, I could see them possibly moving that kickback. We expect to hear them something uh, from you know late tomorrow at the absolute latest, early Thursday. Just kind of a generic statement put out. Conference I hasn't read anything where they've said anything, but but Jeremy obviously saying health and players, staff, fans, and, and Florida Atlantic most important, and so they're discussing different scenarios. Luke, any uh, any scenario where the game is moved, perhaps to uh, to FAU's campus for the game? I, I know there's been some loose discussion about the possibility of moving LSU Missouri from Baton Rouge to Columbia. Uh, any scenario where you think it plays out that way? You're the, the only the second person I've heard anything this week about bringing it up. The other was just in passing. So yeah, I haven't really heard a possibility where, where that would come into play. Okay. In terms of looking at FAU as the opponent coming up, um, I mean, you'd, you'd love to keep the momentum rolling. How difficult is that on Saturday? 
Well, when you watch the game Charlotte and Florida Atlantic uh, this this past weekend, um, Charlotte really shot themselves in the foot. They left 10, 13 points on the on the board. Um, FAU, neither team was penalized bad. FAU really didn't make some of those, but but they really didn't look overpowering. Um, so a better defense maybe than an offense. So that that kind of plays into Southerners' uh, strengths. Um, they can you know play because they've been really average defensively or, or not even average defensively. So, But Willie Tiger's going to have athletes, Lane Kiffin left athletes, and so it, it's going to be a, you know, it'll it'll be a game that's got to press them. You, you, you don't want to make too much of the North Texas win. It was on the road. North Texas is probably going to be a four or five win team this year. At the same token, I think it possibly raised and picked up the spirits of, of Southern Miss to where they need to be. That is Luke Johnson. By the way, uh, FAU has played only one game. It was that game against Charlotte that they won 21-17. to Their games against Minnesota, Stony Brook, Georgia Southern, and USF were all postponed or canceled. First two canceled, the next two postponed. Luke, we'll talk to you again later in the week. Thanks for jumping on this afternoon. Random Van Halen fact. His red guitar that is in the, uh, the jump video, Screwed on top of it is a 1971 quarter, one of the hardest to find. So there you go. Uh, say that again, a 19 what? 71 quarter is screwed on his red guitar. That is indeed a random fact. Thanks, Luke. See you guys. Back with you and Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Look, if I need to apologize for being too mainstream, feel free. That's the answer for me, though. Yeah, most known, best, coolest, my favorite, whatever. I'm just okay with it. Somebody who's like, wants to attack your opinions on music and just get over yourself. You like what you like. That's yeah. your favorite Van Halen song. It's your favorite Van Halen song. It just makes like you perk up. Yeah, who doesn't get ex- who doesn't get happy when they hear "Jump"? Yeah. A sad individual, I tell you. Never apologize I would agree. for your own tastes. Unless you um, like cornbread, in which case you suck. <laughs> Nothing like people who want to force their own food opinions. I don't know. There are only two things in this world I don't I despise: people who are intolerant of other people's cultures. And the Dutch. <laughs> well played, my friend. Well played. So a doubleheader on Monday Night Football last night. And what did we learn from Monday Night Football? Kansas City Chiefs are good. Made a mistake and screwed around and cost somebody a touchdown. Well, I... I don't know if we learned. Le- I mean, of course the Chiefs are good, but I don't know if that's what we learned last night. Did we learn that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are are what? He's now seventeen and three since Mike McCarthy left. By the way, mm. just throwing that Did out. Did you there. hear his quote today on the Pat McAfee show? It was beautiful. Did you hear it, Richard? No. It what incredible. did he say? They he they asked him about you know from last year to this year, having two years in the same system, and he was just talking. He's like, you know, it's so funny people talk about down years when my down years are career years for other quarterbacks. Who? And I mean, that's it. It's a true story. It was incredible. I loved it. 
I think we learned last night that the New England Patriots did not miss a beat after Tom Brady left. I know they lost the game last night, but don't forget who didn't play. Yeah, they, and they who wouldn't. played in his place. I don't place. know if they win, but they definitely had a great chance to win if Cam Newton had played. That's a Super Bowl contender. Uh, there's there's no other way to, to talk about the New England Patriots without mentioning that they are still a contender to win the Super Bowl, just like they have been for two decades now. And what? The, I mean, the game... I mean, it got out of reach with the, the Honey Badger pick six. With 8.48 to play. I mean, at that point, it, it was a, it was 19 to 10... But this was a game, and it was a game well into the fourth quarter with the Patriots not having Cam Newton. With Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham playing quarterback. I mean, I'm definitely not the Tom Brady as a system quarterback guy because he just threw five touchdown passes for Tampa Bay on, uh, on Sunday. So I'm not doing that. But you don't win six Super Bowls without a whole lot of help. And you saw exactly what that help was last night. Here's a crazy idea. Crazy idea. That both, that that, that two things can be true. That Tom Brady is either the greatest or one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time who benefited from playing under Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick is either the greatest or one of the greatest coaches of all time, who benefited greatly from having Tom Brady as his quarterback. And just because you separate the two of them does not make Tom Brady a bum. It does not make Bill Belichick no longer a good coach. It's almost like when you had two pieces of greatness and you separate them, they have the ability to be great on their own they just were extra great when they were together. I mean, it, it, all anybody wanted this year was to know the answer. Can Belichick do anything without Brady? Was Brady solely a product of Bill Belichick's system? Uh, yeah, the answers are yes and no. Yes, of course Bill Belichick can still have success without Tom Brady. Maybe not as much. But he can show you that he's still a really, really, really good football coach. Can Tom Brady have success without Bill Belichick? Absolutely. Maybe not as much, maybe more. But when you put those two together, holy cow. It was a match made in heaven for almost two decades. That yielded a whole bunch of Super Bowl titles. But that's not how we do things, right? You gotta tear somebody down in order to lift somebody up. And yep. Just don't think it's necessarily true in this case. Let's talk more about that game and also more about the uh the nightcap with the Falcons. We got a question earlier. What do you guys think is wrong with the Falcons? How much how time do you, do you have? have? <laughs> Sports talk, Mississippi, four o'clock hours next. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. 
Keeping an eye on Hurricane Delta, which is gaining in strength, looks like it's going to clip the northeastern edge of the Yucatan Peninsula. Later today, early tomorrow, is going to continue to make its way up to the northern Gulf of Mexico. There's a large impact area. Don't know exactly where it's going to hit. I think the most recent model from the uh, National Weather Service or Hurricane Center, whoever it was, has it shifting a little farther to the left, but still is going to have an effect on the state of Mississippi. That could affect Ole Miss's game with Alabama on Saturday, which the Rebels are supposed to host at 5 o'clock in Oxford. When you look ahead on the schedules of both Alabama and Ole Miss, you find a common open date on November 7th. And I just wonder if people in the league office are going to look and go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Now, the one thing that could potentially do is mess up Alabama having an open date the week before they play LSU, which we all know is kind of the high and holy day. The the off day. LSU is supposed to play Missouri this weekend. LSU has an open date on November the 6th, the week before they play Alabama. You know who also has an open date that day? That would be Missouri. So that's another game that could potentially be moved, and then you could kind of keep things in balance. Now, the other game, Arkansas-Auburn, Arkansas's open date is on October 24th. That is the day that the Razorbacks are scheduled, or excuse me, that Auburn is scheduled to be in Oxford to uh, to take on Ole Miss. Auburn has open date that's common with those other teams that we mentioned as well. So I don't know that that one is... Um, as easily movable. I I mean, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas, you could potentially move that game to Arkansas. You could. I, I'm curious if LSU would give in to the idea of moving to Columbia. Because, I mean, the whole conversation we had all summer, right, was you've got to maximize revenue where you can get it. Yeah. In a COVID year, is LSU really going to be like, no, we'll go play in Columbia instead of uh, here next month. You know what I mean? Because I saw that thrown out there, and I thought, are they really going to agree to that? Don't forget a couple years ago, LSU and Florida had that huge uh, issue when they were trying to – Was it, I forget what hurricane it was. Was it Matthew maybe? Where they wanted to move it from Gainesville and then just flip-flop the next year, and LSU wouldn't give into that. And they ended up playing, what, two years in a row in Baton Rouge or something like that. So, you know, LSU not exactly known for just, yeah, we'll, we'll switch things around. That is correct. That was also when it became abundantly clear that the commissioner had to take a lead on these things and say this is how it's going to be. Right. And has the power to do so. Just got to exercise that power. I mean, you do it in consultation with the schools, of course. But sometimes you just got to say this is how it's going to be, period. We got to play these games. This is, you know, it's a crazy year that's just getting crazier. But you don't really have the option in the case of Ole Miss, Alabama, of saying, "Hey, let's take it to Tuscaloosa." Well, I mean, you're going to be dealing with the same weather in Tuscaloosa that you're dealing with in Auburn. Yeah. Excuse me, that you're dealing with in Oxford. And you do have a common open date, just 
four weeks down the road. Would that be beneficial to Ole Miss? I should know this, but I don't off the top of my head. Who follows Alabama? Arkansas on the road. Then, yeah, it would be beneficial for Ole Miss. Keep momentum from the wind going. Nothing like playing Alabama to knock you down a few pegs, That's right? A good point, yeah. I kind of tend to agree with you. So, you know, Ole Miss sitting at one and one, they've got Alabama likely to fall to one and two. But then it's Arkansas at Arkansas, Auburn at home, and at Vanderbilt. Three winnable games considering how horrendous Auburn is offensively right now. I mean, your, your buddy Cole Kublik said their offensive and defensive lines are the worst in the SEC. Maybe working in hyperbole, but he doesn't seem to think they're very good on either side of the ball. Talking about Auburn. Hey. Especially on the offensive side. Protecting Bo Nix apparently is a huge issue right now. Yeah. Yeah, Cole's not one to use like hyperbole is like a talking point. Yeah. Hey, I would like to think I, I know some things, but when Cole Kubelik talks, I listen. No, I mean no matter what he says, I'm like, oh, I agree. It's a good well, it's call. Not That's just why a... you can hear him on the Thunder and Lightning podcast on Thursday nice. previewing Mississippi State and Kentucky as he'll be there on the sidelines Saturday night. Yeah. Um, I promised that we would uh, we would circle back to the uh, Monday night football conversation. You got a doubleheader because of the uh, postponement from the weekend. And we talked a little bit about New England and Kansas City. Kansas City gets the win, 26-10. to 10. Mahomes was 19-29, 236, a couple of touchdowns. And it wasn't like the best game ever for Patrick Mahomes, but he steps up and makes plays when he has to. Did New England even figure out who its backup quarterback is as a result of how those two played last night? It's still Hoyer because Cam Newton, knock on wood, hopefully will be back for uh, their game next week. Jared Stidham, 5 of 13 for 60 yards with a touchdown and two picks. Doesn't slide him into that true backup spot for you? <laughs> Remember when uh, Leaks out of New England camp said that Stidham's right there with Cam Newton? <laughs> sure, yeah, that was sure he was, guys. And then people bought it because, I mean, what else are you going to do? If the coaches are telling you, you know, via sources anonymously that that's a real competition, I mean... You have to report what your sources are telling you, but there should have been some common sense applied there that Jared Stidham's not beating Cam Newton out for this job. I'm I'm sorry. It's not happening. The later game, Green Bay wins 30-16 to over the Falcons. Aaron Rodgers, 27 of 33, 327 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. They got a really good running back in Aaron Jones. You don't know their receivers. None of them. I I mean, I guess I guess maybe you do. Robert Tanyan, Jamal Williams, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Jamal Williams. Aaron Jones out of the backfield. I knew that. Who? The only reason I know that, Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams was, he went to BYU, I'm pretty sure. And the only reason I know that is because when I was in high school, our tailback and a good friend of mine was Jamal Williams. And so when he got drafted, I, I sent him a text. I was like, hey, didn't know you still, still were playing. 
Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. That's the only reason I know that. It's the same name. I guess the point is, though, Aaron Rodgers is doing this with a bunch of guys you've never really heard of. Yeah. And they're good. Really so good. the question that came in on the ceasefire text line earlier, what's wrong with the Atlanta Falcons? And both of you simultaneously said, how long do you have? Aside from the fact that you hate the Falcons because you're a Saints fan. Their head coach is not good. It starts there. Dan Quinn is not a good head coach. He makes terrible in-game decisions that cost them the game. Um, Matt Ryan is just okay. I mean, he's I think he deserves a little more credit than that. I mean, is he a top? I guess he's a top ten quarterback. Maybe, maybe, maybe. You know, but he, he's putting up numbers. Yeah, I mean, he's got you know Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. That's a, that's a good group right there. But and they just. You know, there was, all the talk was about, hey, we're going to have all these first-round picks on offense. Well, yeah, but some of them have been let go. There's some there's some island of misfit, misfit toys to some of that, too. So, I mean, they're just it, – it starts with the head coach, though. When, you, when, when your head coach is no good, there's nothing you can do. Julio Jones was targeted four times last night. That's just not acceptable. He had, he had four catches. Calvin Wrigley was tar- uh, targeted five times. He did not have a catch in the game. Yeah. Olamide did, though. Olamide Zacchaeus, eight <laughs> catches for 86 yards. It's a recipe for success. I mean, you know Hayden Hurst. Say, when you can get the ball and uh, say his name again. Olamide Zacchaeus. When you can get the ball into his hands, you'd better do it. Yeah. He was targeted nine times. He caught eight of the nine balls thrown his way. So good for him for catching the balls. Yeah. He had the same number of targets as Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley combined. And you wonder why you couldn't score and lost the game. It's a mystery. Gracious. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. More to come. Top of the ninth inning, Braves three outs away from a Game 1 win in the NLDS over the Miami Marlins. Braves exploded for six runs in the bottom of the seventh, gave one of them back in the uh, top of the eighth, and now the Marlins batting top of the ninth, needing at least four to keep this game going. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky with you. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. We started something last week, and Michael Borky loved it so very much that he decided that we would keep it in place and run through it again. We're going to do real or fake? Yeah, with a little evolution here because a couple of these are going to be basically a pick one. So either real or fake, or which one is the real one. And we'll start locally, obviously. Which one is the real one? The Mississippi State that beat LSU? Or the Mississippi State that lost to Arkansas? Which one's the real one? I mean, the the real answer is somewhere in the middle. But if I had to lean, I think defensively they were good in both games. So I think the offense will be better than it was against Arkansas. So I'm going to, you know, put on the full homer hat here. And uh, I'll say they're more of the team that beat LSU. 
Yeah, I mean, at least you're willing to fully embrace where that comes from. I do agree with you that the answer is in the middle. I I don't think when you're playing an all-SEC schedule that the real you is the offense that rolls up 600 yards through the air. No, no. But I don't really think the real you is 14 points against a team that had lost 20 in a row in the SEC either. So here's here's what I'm curious about, Hey Dad. I think the offense is going to be better than it was on Saturday. Mississippi State's been pretty good defensively through two games. Yeah. Maybe even really good defensively through two games. Is that smoke and mirrors? Or is it scheme? Or is it personnel that's better than we were giving it credit for? Can that part of it continue? Like I'm, think... I'm pretty sure I know what the offense can do. Right. And, and I think what it's going to end up semi-consistently doing, as we were just saying, is kind of a cross between the first two games. I don't think that K.J. Costello is going to continue to turn it over on average three and a half times a game. I don't think. And, and so I think they're going to be effective offensively. Maybe not like the greatest team in the history of the world, but effective. Yeah. I just don't know if the defense is going to continue on the pace that it's on right now. I think the defense, to answer your question, there, there's definitely some been some personnel that has been better than I thought it was going to be, specifically like the JUCO guys. Jordan Davis has been really good. Um, I think that uh, that uh, Aaron Brule has been really good. So those linebacker questions that State had, I feel like they've answered them. And Jaden Crumney and Pickering have been really good in the middle, which has allowed Errol Thompson to sort of be his old self. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is the scheme. I think Zach Arnett is a superior coach, through at least it's what I'm seeing through two games. Because, like, I, we all had low expectations for this defense, and they have really played well. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think it's just luck. So yeah, I, I think it's it's a lot of scheme, but the personnel has been better than advertised too. And, and still fascinating to me that Mike Leach went out and hired what to most people was a relative unknown in terms of defensive coordinator, but this was somebody that he had seen that he liked. He liked the scheme, and you get this three three five in that is kind of out of the Rocky Long mold at South, uh, I'm sorry, at San, San Diego, Diego State. State. Yeah. And it's been a good thing. So yeah. we'll see. I, I do think that's going to be fascinating to see going forward. Next up, Ole Miss currently has the most efficient passing offense in college football. Now, I'm not asking you if they're going to remain at number one because that's unrealistic just because – But is the efficiency of this passing offense what they really are? Or is there going to be a regression to some kind of mean as the season goes on? There may be a little bit of a regression. But I think this is largely who they are. And it's who they are based on Matt Corral doing the things that we talked all offseason about him needing to do better. He has been consistent. He has not forced things, and he has made good decisions. I mean, th- th- those were the, and they were all, I mean, I guess two of the three were kind of intangible. But for every interview that I did in the offseason, and, and, and it's not that anybody gave me talking points, I just kind of decided this is what I believe about Matt Corral. There's a ton of arm talent there. But he was inconsistent. 
he would make two or three throws where you were like, wow, that's an NFL throw. And then he would bounce one, and he would airmail one. There was a lack of consistency there. There was also not consistent good decision-making. He would force things into places that didn't need to be there. But he's made good decisions. And the third thing I said is he's got to be more accurate, especially on the deep ball. And it feels like all three of those things have been checked in the first two games. So are they going to be the number one team in the country in pass efficiency? Probably not, because they're going to play some pretty good defenses between now and the end of the year. But yes, I, I think this is who Ole Miss is offensively now. I think that's real. It's kind of been what we expected, right? I don't know if we expected it to be this good. Nobody did. No. But the personnel that Ole Miss had offensively was a group that you knew going into the season was going to be able to score on people. The problem was, who knows if they're going to be able to stop anybody, and that so far has come to absolute uh, fruition. But it is an offense that's talented enough to keep scoring at a high level like this. Corral is good. They've got playmakers around him. Kiffin is a superior, and Levy are, are good offensive coaches. There's no reason to think that they won't be good offensively all year long. Next up, and either so, which one is the real one? The LSU that lost to Mississippi State at home. I know the competition's different, but they looked different in Nashville against Vanderbilt. Which LSU are is the real one after two weeks? I think it's I think it's more the one that we saw at Vanderbilt. To be honest with you, I think obviously having Stingley back makes a difference, but. I think they made a lot of mistakes and they learned from them against Mississippi State. They they aren't going to be as stubborn in, in their their play calling and their personnel as they were against Mississippi State. They're, they're still a talented team. Now I'm not a huge guy for Brennan. Don't think he's the greatest, but they have a lot of talent around him. Uh, defensively, you know, there's plenty of guys there. They're going to play in the NFL. They're a good team. Uh, they'll, they'll lose to Alabama. They'll probably lose to Florida. But after we saw this week, and we, we had this discussion last week, and I, I said I thought LSU could beat Auburn. Are you still going to doubt me on that one? I think LSU will beat Auburn. I think they'll beat Texas A&M. They could easily go 7-3. and three. You say you're not a Miles Brennan guy. You are, you know, let the record be aware. <laughs> not going out on a limb. Yeah. Do, do you know that Miles Brennan – has thrown for more yards in his first two starts at LSU than any quarterback in the program's history? Well, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, that's that's like, you know, I'm sure K.J. Costello can say the same. It's just different times. And, you know, Burrow's first year at LSU, they weren't doing what they were doing offensively now. Yeah, that's true. So, so it's, it's almost a little, it's a little apples and oranges. Porky, what do you think on that? It depends on what you thought of LSU after the Mississippi State loss. Because I still, even after what I saw against Vanderbilt, think there are multiple losses still coming. They are not beating Florida. Um, Heck, they could lose to Auburn still. I know they looked bad last week, but they could. It's on the road. They're losing to Alabama. There are multiple losses still on this schedule, I think. We have to remember, as good as LSU looked, that this is a Vanderbilt team that will be overmatched against everybody they play athletically. The the difference between Vanderbilt and LSU athletes are... There's not a single player on Vanderbilt's team that LSU would trade any of their players for. Not one. Not a single one. And <laughs> they've got to do it again 
before I start saying that they're fine back to normal. I got to see it again before I start crowning them and the same. And it this week doesn't really help you either. Play in Missouri. Yeah. You expect them to dominate. Which, by the way, uh, a kind of breaking news report just happened uh, that says that LSU has reserved a block of hotel rooms in Columbia. Better to be prepared. Okay. Yeah. Um, I did talk to some Mississippi State people that were there for the opener and said that's a bad LSU team. Now, maybe they were just bad on that night. State made them look bad. Did. Did. But, I mean, these were not people that were, like, intentionally trying to take something away from Mississippi State in that great win to start the year. Just an observation. That's not a good LSU team. We shall see. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We didn't get very far into our what's real or what's fake, but that's okay. Plenty of time and plenty to talk about. So, Borky, let's continue. Yeah, Florida. They're obviously a contender for the SEC East, but let's take it a step further. They're a top five team in the country now. Is Florida a college football playoff slash national championship contender? Is that real? Is their ranking real, or are they not at that level yet? If they get a little bit better defensively, they are there. I think Florida will beat Georgia. And I think Florida will beat Georgia because I don't trust Georgia's offense. Um, is Amir White's good? Not Nick Chubb. I think he's DeAndre Swift. Pickens is the real deal at wide receiver. There's no question about that. George Pickens, good player. Stetson Bennett, I mean, just uh, okay. It's fine. JT Daniels, okay, but when? And does he make that big of a difference? Now, Georgia's really, really good defensively, and I don't think Florida's going to go out and they're going to put 40 up on Georgia. But I think they score in the high 20s, low 30s. But Florida's got to get a little bit better defensively. I got to get a little bit nastier on that side of the ball. Yes, they are a contender to be in the college football playoff. They would be if they didn't have to play Alabama at some point. Alabama's just better than them. And and Mullen can't beat Saban. I agree with that. But it'll only be in the SEC championship game, and if they're ten and zero going into the SEC championship game, it's going to be number two versus number three. Yeah. yeah, I mean you could be right, but at the same time, it just depends on what's left, you know, around college football at that point. Obviously, the Big Twelve is pretty much out at this point. Um, Oklahoma's got yeah. two losses. Texas will by then. Yeah, you got to think that, and I mean, I guess they have an outside chance, but. I don't know. I don't know that they'll beat Georgia either. I picked Florida to win the East this year, but after seeing Georgia, 
and the way they're playing with like, their fourth quarterback choice. I don't know. Okay. I think you've already answered this one, but um, Georgia. A lot of people saying everything's fine. Georgia, week one with Arkansas, just struggled. They're back. Are they at that level? National championship contender Georgia. Yes. No. Talent talent everywhere on that team. I mean, every player is a four or five star player. The blue chip index was built for Georgia. They got a ton of talent, especially defensively. That might be might be the best defense in the in the country. And I know defense doesn't win championships the way it did when we were growing up, but it still helps. It still helps. They can lock down just about anybody. I, Georgia's in the mix. No, because they don't have an answer at the most important position on the field, and that's quarterback. They don't have an answer. You want to win a national championship in college football? You better have a thoroughbred at quarterback. Everybody you, in you, there. You better have a guy. I'm sorry, no, I'm just, just just finish that. You better have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Jake Coker or Deshaun Watson. I, I mean, yes. Hey, Dad. In any scenario, you can point out an anomaly. That's what I'm saying, though. They got enough around him that almost anybody can look good. They also got Kirby Smart coaching him. That ain't Nick that's, Saban. That's their biggest issue right there. Is Kirby Smart is not the best big game coach. Yeah, I'm just I'm just curious what stupid decision he's going to make in a bit. And listen, I'm not a Georgia hater. I like I, I like Georgia. I like Athens. I like their stadium. I, I like Love a lot Athens. about Georgia. Kirby Smart has disappointed in big situations. Georgia should have won a national championship. It's been 40 years, I think, Michael Borky. Yeah, I'll have to and they check also, my notes, but yeah, I think it's 40 years. They should have won an SEC championship, and they should have won a national championship. Yeah. And they've whiffed in that scenario. Well, if they had won that SEC championship, they would have gone to the playoff and been and had a chance for another national championship. Yeah. And to your uh, point, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying, but from a just from a talent perspective, Georgia is right there. Oh yeah, it, it's wildly talented. I mean, I, I think they probably got the third best roster behind Ohio State and Alabama, or Alabama and Ohio State, if you prefer. I would agree with that. I mean, the recruiting thing is a machine right now at Georgia, which makes it all the more inexplicable when you go, "How do they not have a quarterback?" what they did. Jake Fromm leaves early, and maybe that was a little unexpected and probably wasn't a good decision unless Jake Fromm was just ready to get out of Athens for whatever reason. Yeah. That wasn't a good decision for him to leave early. No. Jake Fromm was not an NFL quarterback. Was not, is not. And they get the transfer from Wake Forest and then he opts out for what reason we don't really know. I mean, do we really think it was for COVID? Oh, no. I think he thought he was going to get beat out by JT Daniels. Or an agent got to him. That could be it. Maybe. And I'm not knocking on Stetson Bennett the fourth. But don't try to get me to believe that he is the same caliber talent as Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Kyle Trask or Matt Corral. It's not close. 
on any of those four. And I can make the list a whole lot longer if you want me to. Mac Jones, who they would potentially meet oh, in the SEC Championship. Close. Yeah. Not he, he, even close. He's a middle of the pack in the SEC quarterback for sure. Hey, he's not, he's not as good as Jake Coker was at Alabama. To, but to your point a second ago. Well, I mean, I, let me see the rest of the season. I have only seen a game and a half. But right now, yes, you're correct. But as far as like their career, yeah. I mean, you would put him behind Mac Jones. You'd put him behind Trask. You'd put him behind Corral. I'd put him behind Costello. I mean, yeah. That's I mean so what fifth is best. I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out. I'd rather have Terry Wilson. Oh now come on. Now you've Then who? Then Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett the fourth? Absolutely. No, I'm not gonna agree with that. Really? Yes, I am not going to agree with that. We might circle back to that conversation next Tuesday. Yeah, we might. So, so okay, Borky. Let's let's go through, down that list real quick. Quarterbacks that you would rather have than Stetson Bennett the fourth on this Georgia team. Kyle Trask, yes, yes. Mac Jones, yes. Bo Nix, yes. Miles Brennan. Miles Brennan looks more talented than him. They and they both have similar experience. Matt Corral. Yes. KJ Costello. Yes. Felipe Franks. Yes. Don't you do it. Terry Wilson. Yes. The either of the two guys at South Carolina. No. <laughs> no and well, no. Well, man, I'll tell you what though. I, I, I they didn't choose Holinsky for whatever reason, but when you watch South Carolina last year and you've seen the game and a half of the walk on Stetson Bennett the fourth, the country club, which quarterback would you rather have for that Georgia team? Because one of them looks more talented than the other. I, I feel like it's it's wrong to disrespect a guy that just won an SEC game. But he didn't win that SEC game. His team did, and he didn't screw it up. Which credit to him, but... Man, that, that is part of it. That's part of it. Yeah, I'm not taking the South Carolina guys over him. What about Jarrett Garantano? Hmm. That was Probably. hard. That's a difficult choice. There's some coin flips in here. These guys that we're getting to now are on teams that are not anywhere close to as talented as the Georgia one. Of course. It's a little bit easier to play quarterback. I mean, Borky, 10 of the teams in the SEC are not anywhere nearly as talented as Georgia yeah. is. So it's it's just a little bit easier to to manage a game with that kind of roster than it is for Garantano at, or Tano all right. at Tennessee. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Kellen Mond or Stetson Bell the oh. fourth for Georgia? Uh, find a wide receiver to run the Wildcat for four quarters. <laughs> give me <laughs> Lynn Bowden's. Bowden. Yeah, give, give me the next Lynn Bowden. <laughs> That's who I'll take instead. But, man, Do- can Stetson Bennett the fourth throw for over 300 yards against Alabama's defense? Can he do that? I'll tell you in a couple weeks. Donald in Oxford says, can we just call him Stetson Bennett? Adding the fourth sounds like a hyphenated last name and is <laughs> really hard on the We're talking about his ears. dad or his granddad or his great-granddad. we got to be specific. got to specify here. Yeah, and I feel like it's it, it's fun, too, to call him the fourth. Yeah, and in the, the computer at the country club, he, he's handicapped as a two, but really he's like a nine.
You think he's got like a tattoo of SBIV somewhere? <laughs> that took Hate out a minute. He was like, what? Huh? Oh, I get it. <laughs> the Roman numerals. Yes, I've got it now. Why do you have a tattoo of Super Bowl Four on your arm? <laughs> Huge Chiefs fan. Sports Talk Mississippi will be back. Who's bad? Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Um, so... In the studio next door to me, Hayden King is the uh, he's the afternoon DJ for the uh, the radio station here in Oxford, and he was doing the nas- it's the national fill in the blank day. By the way, you know there's like a day for everything now. People were going crazy yeah. last week and the week before over like National Daughters Day and National Sons Day. You know, it's like just enough to make you kind of feel bad for not putting a picture of your own kids out there somewhere, and then you're like, what do you? Nobody celebrates this. Anyway, I overheard Hayden in the break, and he said, uh, National Plus Size Appreciation Day. Here I am. Let's go. Tell me, how much do you appreciate me, boys? National Orange Wine Day. What? What is orange wine? National Noodle Day. We should celebrate orange wine by throwing it all in a river. Is National Fruit at Work Day. I call I call orange wine a screwdriver. <laughs> Wait, did you say fruit at work day? National fruit at work day. As opposed like to an apple? all of the other days of the year where you're not supposed to bring You can't fruit bring a to banana work? to work. No, it's fine to bring fruit to work. It's just today we celebrate the fruit that we bring to work. Oh man. So the day's not even for, for work or for people, it's for the fruit. I can't believe I missed that day. Who knew? You normally bring fruit to work? I, I no. would have today on such a special occasion, yeah. I do bring fruit to work, but by fruit, I mean a candy bar. I bring Skittles sometime. Do those count? They're fruit-colored. Fruit-flavored. Jeff says, the wife of, my, of the San Diego Padres bench coach just came into my mom's boutique a few minutes ago and said they're ready to win this series against the Dodgers. Go Pods! I like, like a, the sound of that. It's like a Mad Lib right there. <laughs> well played. Are the Padres <laughs> in the process of becoming America's team? They're fun. They are a fun team to watch. they got good young players. I can't wait to see them all in Yankee and Dodger uniforms in the next 10 years. Yeah, but their coach after the whole ordeal, that was an embarrassment. Or manager, I should say. Excuse me. After what? The um, hitting a grand slam went up six. Oh, for apologizing? For apologizing for that? Come on, man. Yeah, whatever. They're fun. Fernando Tatis Jr. Star. Really good. Absolute star. Borky, do we have any more real or fakes? Yeah, Tennessee. Are they for real? What is for real, though? Like, are they going to win the SEC East? Not no. going to win the SEC East, but, but could they go 7-3? and three? Maybe. I think they'll lose to Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. 14th in the country right now. 
they're they're in the fourteen to twenty range. Yes, they're for real. If that's if that's where we're going with that, yes, Tennessee is for real. Tennessee is top twenty for real. I believe so. Yes. Yep. I, I am I am comfortable with saying Tennessee is top twenty for real. I'm not comfortable with saying Tennessee is top ten for real. No, I agree with that. Yeah. No. No. But right. but I'm gonna be honest. I'm not gonna be surprised at all if. Two years from now, they are. You know how we and lots of people have kind of poked fun at Jeremy Pruitt for the all shucks, just ball coach. You know what? Apparently, but by all accounts, he is incredible with recruits. I I, I think it's just that there's no pretense there with Jeremy Pruitt. It just kind of. This is who I am. This is who we are. This is how we're going to play. It's how we're going to practice. He worked under Saban. He's got the plan figured out. He was with him a long time. He's coached at a lot of different levels. I think, I know it's kind of rare that we see this, but I think a guy that coaches at the high school level and then transitions to the college level before transitioning to a head coach I think there's something to be said for that, as opposed to just being a college guy forever. Maybe I'm overplaying that. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't disagree with that. You learn humility the, um, and nothing else at the high school level. Yeah. And the Nick Saban tree. Hmm. Jeremy Pruitt's going to end up being a stud. I think. Kirby kind of already is. Billy Napier is going to be. I don't know if you can really put Lane Kiffin on Nick Saban's tree. I think probably not. His I think when you had already of, been... Of his what? tree is better. The second tier of his tree is better. Napier, Pruitt, uh, I forget, you just smart, as opposed to Mush Champ and Fisher. I know Fisher has a national title, but what's he done lately? Yeah. Two hours in the books with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be back. A little bit of a theme today on the music. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Thank you for being with us. You want to be a part of the show, you can on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. 601 601- Eight seven nine four three nine five. Now could be the best time to upgrade your smartphone. Sure, you could wait for the next big thing, but now is a great time to get into into a new late model mobile device with incredible multi lens camera, enhanced memory, and much more. Learn more about the cool features uh, features that are available to you, and as a bonus, get one hundred dollars off best selling smartphones. When you upgrade or add a new line at your local C Spire store or online at cspire.com, 601-879-4395. That is the number if you want to be a part of the conversation. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. Fix. 
College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling cars, best-selling trucks, are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. We'll circle back to Borky's Real or Fake. I still don't think we worked our way all the way through that list, did we? It's a few more. A lot of good discussion along the way, though. It's kind of what this is all about, right? It's kind of what we do. But let's take a break on that. We'll circle back to it and look at what is coming up this weekend. If Hurricane Delta will cooperate. Florida goes to Texas A&M. Hey, you um, you know how Vegas is really good at their job? It's job. Talk about that all the time. And you know how when something doesn't really look right, kind of looks a little fishy, usually something isn't quite right? Here's a good example. Over 90% of both the public money and the tickets this past weekend were on Arizona, who was just a three-point favorite against the Carolina Panthers. Did you guys watch any of that game? Check check it out at all on Red Zone Channel. Catch this final score. Just a reminder that Las Vegas is pretty good at what it does for a living. I say all that to say Florida's only a a six-and-a-half-point favorite in College Station over Texas A&M. This just feels like such easy money to me. Uh, Somebody knows something. So, Kyle did, Trask... Did you, hear, did you hear the preamble, by the way? Yeah. Being named after Kyle Field, growing up in Texas, mm-hmm. not being touched by Texas A&M, and a lot of people, but not by Texas A&M, who plays in a stadium of which he is named after. You think he's not going to be extra motivated to kick the crap out of them on Saturday? How about Pat Dooley finding that nugget? It's pretty impressive. He was working on a story that I thought didn't have great traction. He was trying to find out why Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts were both named Kyle. I mean, he was really reaching. And he stumbled across this story, and he threw out the whole Kyle Pitts angle to it. And just wrote about Kyle Trask being named after Kyle Field out of an Aggie family. Gators a six-and-a-half-point favorite. South Carolina is a 13-point favorite at Vanderbilt. The final score will be 14 to nothing if they cover. Might be the fastest game of the year. I mean, except for maybe Army-Navy. But this one's going to go by quick. I think this one's on SEC Network. Army-Navy's on CBS, so it'll be longer. Oh, true, yeah. <laughs> they find a way to stretch that one out. Yeah, and we'll get to hear all about Alabama. It's true. AM fans were hot this weekend, by the way. But, I mean, what do you expect? when Have you never watched a game on CBS before? Well, that... doesn't matter who's playing. Especially, but especially when Alabama is playing in that game. Yeah. 
Did they boo Borky or did they just hiss? Or or they did the <laughs> uh instead of the O, which is still bizarre to me. Everything they do is weird. Like why are their end zone stripes painted yellow? The goal line is yellow there. Why? Just be Ooh. normal like everybody else. Paint it white cuz everybody else paints it white, you weirdos. <laughs> Nobody's impressed by your class ring. I was sitting at a baseball game. I, this is a true story. Sitting at a baseball game. Hold on. What has an Aggie ever done to you? It's just Those are some of the nicest people on the planet. Yeah. The beginning of every cult, you're met by very warm and welcoming people. <laughs> I mean, what, what's his name? David Koresh? I'm sure he was lovely when you first met him. Jeez. To find out how, how Vic Schaefer broke away. I saw a picture of him throwing up the horns up on Twitter this weekend. He's he one class that ring got out. You went out? Did he have his class ring on in the picture? I, I didn't. I couldn't tell. I need to look at that a little closer because I'm telling you, he never did a press conference. He had two rings on. He had his SEC championship or Final Four ring or whatever it was on one hand, and he had his Aggie ring on in the other. I'm sitting at a baseball game uh, in the the left field section in Oxford, and they're playing Texas A&M, and there's a handful of Texas A&M fans sitting behind us. The entire game, all three-ish hours of baseball, they spent ripping on one of their buddies who got too drunk at the library the night before and was dancing like an idiot and hit on a girl and she said no or whatever. Just typical drunk bro stuff. You know, nothing over the top. They spent three hours talking about how he disrespected the ring. There's something wrong with those people. That's Michael Borky painting with that great big old wide brush. Oh, don't tell me that it's just 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 those guys, man. I mean, have you seen the video of the Yell leaders? I, why is that something that inspires you to get excited? The little the little hands and the spin and the hands and the spin and then putting their arms around each other and doing this, whatever this is. The, the thing, I, I mean, who in their right mind thinks it's cool to have milkmen on your sidelines instead of normal cheerleaders? I mean, come on. Nicest people in the world. I, I w- have interacted with Texas A&M fans. All of them are very nice, but I feel like they're either trying to sell me a timeshare or trying to get me to drink the punch. And their punch is barbecue sauce. Mixed with a little something. Yeah. They're Hotel California in real life. Man. Man. <laughs> hey, Dad, when you insult large groups of people with big sweeping accusations, what happens? Should Borky be worried? <laughs> Just don't... Just don't play any Zydeco music over the top of it. Well, hey, they are wonderful people. That's what I was trying to tell you a minute ago. I said, what did an Aggie ever do to you? That's some of the nicest people on earth. How about that uh, South Carolina guy? In the grass you're not allowed to walk on on campus? I mean, uh, what are you doing? Uh... 
Weren't we talking about South Carolina Vanderbilt and you somehow circled back to this? We were, we were trying to get there, I think, yes. Oh, we, we just, yeah. South, South Carolina 13-point favorite at Vanderbilt? That's right. Borky said if they cover, it's going to be 14 to nothing. Yes. That sounds right, yeah. Although this is the week for a Vanderbilt coming out party if there was one. Georgia is a 13-point favorite at home against the team that has won eight consecutive football games, the Tennessee Volunteers. That number too big? It's I think it's a little big. I don't I don't know if it's a little big, but right now I would think 10 or less. I think Tennessee's better than Auburn, so I don't know. Speaking of Auburn, they are a 15-and-a-half-point favorite against the Arkansas Razorbacks, who have won one consecutive game in Southeastern Conference play. Let's try to win one more. Kind of a big deal. that, it's a winning streak. He's heating up. He's on fire! Was that NBA jams or something like that? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll finish looking at the SEC when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We got an announcement for you. You can change your listening schedule because most of the high school football games in Mississippi are moving their games this week to Thursday night because of the threat of severe weather related to Hurricane Delta. The Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company scoreboard show will now air on Thursday, this week only, from 10 until 11.30 instead of its normal Friday time slot. As there are so few games on Friday, the scoreboard show will only air on Thursday night this week. The scoreboard preview show which comes your way after Sports Talk Mississippi at 6 o'clock on Fridays, will air in its normal time. And uh, will be more of a recap and a uh, review than a preview. So um, we got a lot of high school football coming up, supertalk.fm slash high school. For most, though, it's going to be a day earlier than is so we'll, normally the case. Will Will and Steven join us on a, a day early then? We could do preview and recap. We might see about talking to them on both Thursday and Friday. Like the sound of that. Get our fix of high school football this week. So, uh, yeah. I've got a, uh, a friend, and I guess this is karma, because uh, you're not supposed to have weddings in the fall, in the south. And they were supposed to have an outdoor venue on Saturday. And they had to make uh, some last-minute adjustments. They found them, but I kind of feel like this was karma for scheduling a wedding. They are supposed to. And he went to Ole Miss, so most of the people there are going to be affiliated with Ole Miss one way or the other. They say I do at 5 o'clock. When Ole Miss in Alabama kicks off at the exact same time. <laughs> Give me some earbuds in use, I promise. Oh man, I, I'm a I'm a groomsman because he's he's a, a great person and a very good friend of mine. But 
I'm going to look out into the crowd, and you're going to see every guy up there looking down, <laughs> holding something in their hand, watching football while they're going through all the non-important stuff. During the ceremony, you think? Oh, abs- 1,000% yes. I've been there. I did that. I was at a wedding in Nashville a few years ago. Uh, one of my best friends, they chose to get married on a fall Saturday, and they're both from Nashville, and so most of the people there were Tennessee fans. And it was the night that Oklahoma played in Knoxville. They had this Ooh. incredible venue up in the, I mean, just the hills outside of Nashville. The place was stunning. And there was probably 200 people at the wedding. Once the reception began, there was maybe 15 people inside. You go outside, three guys brought their iPads, and the entire wedding is outside watching Tennessee, Oklahoma using a hotspot on the iPad. How was the mood after Baker Mayfield planted the flag on the tee? Oh, it, it like, you know, day of celebration, right? It was like a funeral. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Jason coming after Borky on the ceasefire text line. Kind of. He says, Borky railing on A&M's military-born traditions has me confused. I'm laughing my rear end off and hoping he bumps into an active drill sergeant somewhere. He goes on to say, copy this from an A&M site about that ring. The seven army values include four of these. Educate yourself, Borky. Although he called you dorky. (laughs) Burn! Aggie values, excellence, integrity, leadership, loyalty, respect, and selfless service. Laughing at Borky's ignorance and pomposity. Absolutely sure he's right about weirdness, though. Love that guy, Um, Borky. They are weird. They're weird. King Biscuit says milkman, (laughs) haha. That's what they look like. Look, man, if you serve this country, you're an incredible person making a great sacrifice. I'm not talking about the people that serve. I'm talking about the fans that are sitting at a baseball game talking about how their buddy disrespected his ring by getting drunk and doing normal drunk people stuff. It's not like he got a DUI or committed assault. He got drunk and got rejected by a girl at the bar. That is weird. The milkmen are weird. They are. I, it's, it is. Everybody bending it's over weird. and putting their hands on their knees and chanting is weird. It is. It's very it is. weird. Singing about Texas when you're it's not cool playing it's Texas is it's weird. Unique. But, I mean, everybody's got kind of weird traditions. I mean, you have 90,000 Georgia fans that bark like dogs. That's a little weird if you just kind of take it and set it aside on its own. A Georgia fan barked at me in the airport one time. I felt so embarrassed for him. I wasn't embarrassed because this adult man's barking at me, but I was embarrassed for him. I kind of wanted to like give him a hug and tell him, you know, it's going to be okay. I mean, you, you, you have a fan base that raises its arms in the air and r- wiggles its fingers to call pigs. You have a fan base that rolls its arms around in a circular motion in the air trying to get a bird to land on their head. You have a fan base that has made up a series of words as their cheer. You got a fan base that rings bells as if they were trying to get cows to come for them. There's a lot of weirdness. There is. 
A lot of weirdness. But the cowbell thing can be explained as they have a competitive advantage with their home atmosphere. Yeah, but that's and not so why it started. It didn't start as a competitive advantage. It didn't start no, like that, yeah. it didn't. But that's why it still exists now. I doubt if it didn't provide I, I them an the advantage. Everybody gave them a competitive would... advantage. I think the players were on the field. They're the, like, "Holy cow!" And yeah. now they're distracted the rest of the day. Is it? Is it because they do this? Is that why I hope hey, you're watching the a, stream? This is right a vocal now. medium, by the way. Is it? We have a stream. We have, we have a stream TV we're on channel TV now. Yeah. Hey, let's finish walking through these lines. And this is more fun. Probably. We're all getting raises because we're TV stars now. Is Auburn as a 15 and a half point favorite the right number against Arkansas? There's only two ways this game can go, in my opinion. Either Arkansas is going to make it way more interesting than Auburn wants it to be, or Auburn's just going to run them off the field. I'm not sure which one it is just yet. I lean towards Auburn's not that good, and Arkansas could, could cover that. Bama's favored by 24 over Ole Miss. Feels right. I mean, you think Ole Miss will be able to score? Uh, especially early, depending on what the weather's like. If they play the game and it's raining like crazy, I don't like. Uh, I don't like that for Ole Miss's chances. But uh, I mean, when and how will Ole Miss stop Alabama multiple times in in this game? You know, I mean, Alabama can do it all, and not just do it all, but do it all really, really well. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking. I'm I'm giving the points when we get to Friday. I did appreciate Lane Kiffin. Uh, somebody asked him about uh, coaching with Nick Saban. Does that give you an advantage? He goes, well, Saban assistants are, are 0-20 against him. I think it gives him an advantage over us. You're not a very good gambler if you like those odds. Yeah, that was a good quote. Uh, Kentucky, two-and-a-half point favorite against Mississippi State in Lexington. That's dropped a point since it came out. Was it three-and-a-half? Three and a half, so I guess the money's pushing towards Mississippi State. I am developed. I, I can't go much into it right now, but I have developed an analytical system to determine the winner of this game. I will divulge my pick on Friday, and I will explain my system. Okay. Yeah. My system is I pull it out of my you-know-what. LSU is almost a three-touchdown favorite over Missouri, 20 and a half. They'll cover that. I kind of think you might see a final score that's really comparable to what you saw last week in Nashville this week for I agree LSU. With that. Yeah, I agree. Regardless I mean, of Missouri where they gets, play it. Yeah. Yeah. Heck, it's better it's 41 for them to play in Missouri. They can throw the ball. It won't be, you know, pouring down rain. All right, let's jam on the ceasefire text line. I hope we say stay underdogs all year. Y'all are making hog man hogman's day, not picking the hogs. I, I made just a picked pick the yet. Hogs. I just said that they're probably going to cover. I just said Mike it. in Oxford says, with Chad Morris calling plays, ooh, big suey. Yes. How quickly does Gus take those back? <laughs> I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. It's kind of a rite of passage in every football season. Well, I go. Uh... <laughs> The le- when the leaves turn color, Gus Balzan starts calling plays again. Well, you know, it's my, my responsibility. Eh? Get the Take that over. Out. Probably not going to release that responsibility again. Um, but then. Pa, 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 pa.
Missed it. What's the line in the Kentucky State game? Uh, Kentucky's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Competitive advantage didn't work with Cowbells last week. And ringing a bell meant to hang on a milk cow's neck. That was from JB when we were going through the weird traditions. Yeah, we got there, JB. Calm down. We got there. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Good to be with you. If you want to be uh, part of the conversation, you can do so. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Um, did we get all the way through the lines? We did, didn't we? Yeah. Borky, you derailed me. You, you, you... So Howard Stern is apparently renegotiating his contract with SiriusXM, which expires in December, and is reportedly going to make between 100 and $120 million a year. $120 million a year. He's been making between 80 and $100 million on his last two five-year deals. And I know that he is the king of broadcasting. And there was a time where... I mean, he had a show that was must listen to. Brought, I mean, it was. I mean, he he's Howard Stern, but today, is he generating north of 120 million dollars in revenue to be worth the salary? I mean, I, I guess so, but that blows my mind. That Sirius XM stock and after hours trading after this news went public today went up seven percent. Wow! I just man, so they're down 22 percent for the year. I knew he was good, and I knew he had a following. I know it's not the same as it used to be. I still didn't realize it was that massive. I lived in Memphis for a couple of years, and and he was actually just before he went to Sirius, he was just on the the Rock Channel. I listened to, and I listened every morning. Now I don't have Sirius, so I, I stopped listening when he moved. But I mean, yeah, his fan base is super super loyal to him. So, in comparison, Joe Rogan. Who has the most listened to podcast on the planet? I think. He does, doesn't he? It's up there. It, it varies occasionally, but it's always top five. Makes in the neighborhood of $40,000 per episode. And we'll put out as many as five episodes a week, although I think it's probably closer to four episodes a week, 50 weeks out of the year. So that's uh, 40000 Times 200 episodes, that's $8 million. Plus he just did it. I mean, I guess the point I'm making is Joe Rogan makes a fraction of what Howard Stern makes. Well, the exclusive rights deal was $100 million, right? With what Spotify? Rogan got, yeah. But that was multi-year, right? That wasn't a single year? I don't know, did, honestly. Did, I, I yeah, thought that's I what they paid to get him there. That was like an upfront thing. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway. It's remarkable. I mean, radio and podcast advertising is the most successful in media. So if you have a massive audience, it would explain why you generate that kind of revenue. Jeff says you would have to pay me to listen to Howard Stern. He's a super creep. 
Okay. Not everybody's cup of tea. The the no, he definitely isn't. The, the content sometimes. Somebody says Rush Limbaugh is the king of talk. Well, he's made a ton of money, but in terms of salary, it's still Howard Stern. I mean, he's been making between eighty and a hundred million dollars a year for over a decade. He's been with he's been with SiriusXM for fifteen years now, which is crazy. God, that's crazy when you think about it. Yeah, two thousand five is when he left Terrestrial Radio. Big, 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 big money. Major League Baseball going on right now. You have the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm sorry, you don't. That's coming up tonight. Uh, Houston and Oakland are in the top of the seventh inning. Houston trying to take a 2-0 lead. Guess what, guys? I think all of a sudden you're probably not super excited about playing the Astros in the postseason. No, they're putting it together. Do they have drones to tell them the signals? What are they doing this year? Cheaters are not. they got some guys that can swing it, and they've got some guys who have learned how to win in the postseason. I'm going to get my worst nightmare. I can feel it. Which is Dodgers-Astros? Dodgers-Astros. And that's going to be on the heels of Miami coming back from being two get down two games to none and winning the NBA Finals. Cross. <laughs> Swear to God, man. Game four, 8 o'clock tonight, Lakers and the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler's good. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I read a really... I thought it was my thoughts, but said far better than I could surrounding Jimmy Butler and what he is and how he became who he is compared to basically every other star in the NBA. That the league's got a serious problem right now with a lot of things, of course, but one of their issues for fan attention and viewership, among many, is the fact that you've got a bunch of guys that don't necessarily care about just being good ball players. that they, they want to go viral and they want to be other things and they want to do whatever's good for their brand. You know, they're, they're very internet savvy and conscious and kind of that's what the league has become. So that's why you've got guys jumping from place to place to place and joining teams and Jimmy Butler's the opposite. He is, I don't care about social media. I don't care about my brand. I'm going to outwork every single person in this league, and that's what makes me good. He's a grinder, and it's different in the league now because there's very few Jimmy Butlers, and there's a lot more Kevin Durants, which some people like that. I personally would rather see guys stay in one place for a while and build something. That's not the league anymore. But that's Jimmy Butler, and he's unique. It was really well done, and just the league needs more of him. Guys that are willing to just grind. I don't care about social media. I don't care about popularity. I don't care about going viral or whatever the heck my brand is. I'm going to outwork you and I'm going to play ball. And the league needs more people like him. I saw an anecdote from when he uh, was with Buzz Williams. So he played for in college and basically went to Buzz and was like, you're going to coach me hard today? Hey, I got it. No, are you going to coach me hard today? Like, wanted to be coached and wanted it just to be intense. That's what he was looking for every single day. 
interesting and unique character yeah. in the NFL. He was the guy that uh, hotel staff, when he was in quarantine, had to come ask him to stop dribbling in his room in quarantine at 4 a.m. Because he was getting up and working out in, in his hotel room under quarantine. He's that kind of guy. And his game reflects that. And it didn't work out in uh, Chicago and Philly and stuff because players in the league don't like his attitude. But he has the a similar approach to, to Jordan. And you can even tie the late Kobe Bryant in there as well. Guys, I don't care if you like me, but I'm going to grind you to death because that's what it takes to win. Those two guys had that mentality, that persona. You don't have to like me, but you're going to work with me. Yeah. He's that guy. There is, uh, there's something interesting that's happening right now in the golf world. College golf. Right outside of Fayetteville is a golf course called Blessings. Blessings Golf Club. And it is, by all accounts, ridiculously hard. All 14 SEC teams on the men's and women's side, or at least all of them that have golf teams, I think all 14 have golf teams on the men's and women's side, are playing in the Blessings Collegiate Invitational. You remember there was some specific language about where you could play and who you could would play with for the fall SEC golf season. So you've got uh, all the teams from, uh, from both sides. Alabama is leading on the men's side. They are four under through two days, including seven under on their round today. That is outstanding golf. Mississippi State is currently tied for seventh at plus 11. They are five under as a team on their round today. And they got a kid by the name of Ford Clegg who has been outstanding. He's six under, which is four shots off the lead in this, uh, in this tournament overall. Uh, Ole Miss has had a uh, tough couple of days. They are 18 shots back of Georgia, currently in 14th place. Speaking Ooh. of golf news, did you see the PGA Tour news today? What did I miss? First, no. first time in a while they had a COVID positive. It was Tony Finau. Oh, yeah. Asymptomatic, but positive nonetheless. Mm-hmm. They've done an exceptional job. Not letting because guys are coming in and out too of these tournaments. It's not the same group of guys every week, and COVID has not been a story for them since like the second tournament months ago. Yeah. On the uh, women's side, Arkansas, who is the host, is leading the field at plus two. You got Ole Miss in fifth place at plus twenty-one. Mississippi State on the women's side is in 13th, plus 49 for their two rounds. We'll wrap it up with you. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.